0: Better get ready! Yeah, yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do Look it.
1: Hour two of two officially underway. Appreciate you listening in on a Saturday morning. What's the chance of rain at Tiger Stadium? Well, six percent of kickoff. Oh wait. Never, it never rains at Tiger Stadium, they say. Except for that one time in 2015 when they played McNeese and literally for like five minutes had a game, then they didn't, and then they went home and called it a day. I'll never forget that game, 2015. That was like a like Leonard Fournette was about to just pop off hard on people. And then they didn't play more than five minutes. That was about it. So, Appreciate you listening. I want to get to, I want to get right to it. Cause we got AJ spur on in about 10 minutes. Then Ross Jackson at the bottom of the hour. So we need to waste very little time. So D let's get to it with
0: the world. Famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20, hit me
2: 21, hit me 22.
0: Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports Sports station.
1: I think people like a little story time before I get to my picks to click for this weekend. So last weekend, to kind of recap, I almost had the perfect game. I almost had the the five-leg parlay hit. And it would have wound up netting me $77. So we're going to go back in time. Rewind it. I had Penn State plus 15. Backdoor cover of the century on that game, by the way. Because I can remember I had just gotten done getting my haircut And I'm driving down. D- driving down Ambassador Caffrey. And I, all of a sudden I'm hearing the game. Because they're breaking down what happened with the contest. Doing the live betting stuff. Which is always entertaining. So... I wound up hearing them bring the Penn State-Ohio State game up. That's the one I'm nervous about. Wasn't listening to the actual broadcast, and all of a sudden, Ohio State puts up 44. They get a touchdown with about three minutes left in the ballgame. Penn State has a chance to just sneak in the back door of a plus 15. Plus 15 hits, they cover. Arkansas straight up, Oklahoma wins. My 11 a.m. parlay was perfecto. Then we get to the NFL slate. The birds get it done against the Steelers. 35-13, easy money there. Then we get to the final leg of the parlay. And I debated the hell out of this with the Giants-Seahawks money line. And right before 325 comes around, I'm like, okay, how's this going to go? Do I take it out or do I leave it in? Do I take it out, let it ride? Cash out, let it ride. And at the point when I'm thinking about this, this is – Like, right after kickoff. So I'm like, I've got to either cash out or let this ride. And if I'm cashing out, I'm doing it before they tell me I can't. And it's $27, like, right after kickoff. And I'm like, eh, I don't necessarily want this, like, to lose this on a game like that. Because the Seahawks are good this year, surprisingly with Geno Smith. But I like what I'm seeing. So I said, you know what? I'm going to cash out, and I cashed out as soon as the first touchdown scored, and it wound up being a loss for the Giants, so I wound up making the better decision. So, yes, I chickened out of my parlay, cashed out, got a little bit out of it, so I'm not I'm not mad. You know, I would have liked a little bit more out of it, but it is what it is. So let's get ahead and get into the picks-to-click for this weekend. And I'll start off by saying last night I wound up going to a local casino, placing some bets down. And one of them, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the slip right in front of me, but the first one was an underdog pick, and that was TCU, Texas Tech. I believe TCU was the underdog last night. That line has shifted a lot. Straight up, minus 315. Give me TCU over Texas Tech, 315. Then we get to the SEC on CBS game. i got to go Tennessee plus 8.5 here at minus 110. I think this is going to be a very close competitive ball game. Georgia's good and great and all that stuff, but Tennessee is an eye-opening ball game. I think Tennessee covers at 8.5 point spread. Clemson, Notre Dame. i got to go with the Tigers beating the Irish at minus 175 straight up. Then we get to the NFL slate. Buffalo Bills versus the New York football Jets at plus 11 and a half right now. I would probably take that and run with it, if I'm being honest. And I've said it before, and I said it to somebody yesterday in a conversation about them betting the money line against the te- on the Texans against the Eagles on Thursday night. I immediately said, what was the money line? What was the spread? He's like, plus 14. You should have texted me because I could have won you some money i'll be honest with you the eagles are good but they look a little suspect but i am always going to say this especially when it comes to the texans you always always take a bet in the nfl that is 10 or more if it's a two-score game especially something that's straight 14 you hammer down you you do not screw that up it's simple it's factual Plus 10 or more, take the team to cover. And the Jets are a damn good team. So I think that Bill's Jets game, it's not going to be a blowout. I think 11 and a half, I think a 10-point ball game is easy money if we're talking spreads. And then the Arizona Cardinals, I'll take the money line on them over the Seahawks at minus 125. If that hits, that'll pay out a nice, cool $67.90. Then let's get to LSU real quick because I've got some thoughts on that game right there. And I did the same game parlay as well. Again, don't have the slips right in front of me. Should have taken pictures before the show. But I wound up landing on LSU and the money lines. I mean, the spread is still 13.5 points. Over under 56.5. And again, I always say this to avoid, avoid, avoid any and all bets that are local teams and teams that you care about because you're going to wind up causing more pain. But I said, you know what? It's a big game. Why not? I went with this. LSU plus 13 and a half. Like, seriously, this is how this is how it we went last night for me at the casino. I went plus 13 and a half. Now it's plus twelve and a half point spread, which I'm interested in. Then the over/under. I want' up going combined over/under here. That's kind of where I was landing in this. I went LSU plus thirteen and a half. The over of thirty of fifty-six and a half because I think it's going to be a high-scoring ball game. Then I wound up going more towards the. I went Jaden Daniels alt passing yards at 200 plus, but right now that those odds aren't there, so we're gonna go with 195 on this same game parlay. There's an anytime touchdown prop that I wound up putting down as well, and it was anytime touchdown for the running back. Can't remember his name right now. Gibbs, yeah, Jameer Gibbs. And Kayshaun Boutte on touchdown, anytime touchdown score, I put some money on that as well. So that's kind of where I land there. When it comes to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, there's only one bet I'm placing on that because there's no current spread. I mean, in terms of like prop bets and side things, I'm absolutely hammering the under on this contest at 42-and-a-half. And why am I doing that? Because, Troy, you heard in the two-minute drill. They have not they have allowed 14 points or less in the last three ballgames. And add the fact that the Cajun, I mean, this Troy team, they haven't allowed a whole lot of points, but they haven't scored a whole lot of points either. They've scored 27, 17, and 10 in the last three games. That's a combined 54 points. 44, excuse me. I was told there'd be no math, but forty-four points. In the last three games, and they've allowed—wait for it—34. No, wait, 30. My again, told there'd be no math. Not necessarily all there in the head, but anyways, you've they've allowed very little points. So they're a defensive team. So like 42 and a half points in terms of the over/under. Hammer that son of a gun. Hammer it. So if I were doing like a local team same game, a local team parlay, which I'm going to go ahead and do right now for the fun of it, I'll go LSU Alabama. I'll go LSU covering. I'll go the Cajuns. I'll take the under on that. I'm not necessarily a fan of touching that spread or money line, which is plus three and a half right now, and plus one forty five for the Cajuns. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of touching that because again, that's very much a like neutral site pick 'em game. It's tough. Then we're gonna to go to Monday Night Football, dun, 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 dun. and we're gonna go with the New Orleans Saints against the Baltimore Ravens. I'll go ahead and put money on them winning that at plus one ten straight up, because I I don't like a two and a half point spread again. It's too close of a line to kind of land on. So we'll go with the Saints there, and then we'll throw in one more, because in case you didn't know, we do not have a show next week. Thank you, LSU Arkansas, for an 11 a.m. kickoff. So I'm going to go ahead and throw down one more bet for next week. And that is Saturday, November 12th, UFC 281 or 282. I can't remember which one it is now. You see, I have them every month. It feels like, yeah, it's 281. Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. Surprisingly, Dustin Poirier is the prohibitive favorite at minus 175 so we're going to throw that down as well on a four leg parlay how much does that hit 60 dollars 13 cents. it's going to net you so in two weeks time your boy may be rolling in the dough especially if some of those same game i have a same game parlay bet that if that hits that's going to net me like 99 dollars. so trust me i'll still be here in two weeks time but there's no guarantee if i don't hit all these parlays that i might be starting to make a little bit more money and doing this more as a side hustle and starting to get the hang of this whole sports betting thing it's been a while but i think now we're starting to get the hang of it before we take a quick time out we're gonna tell you about what's going on inside the game clubhouse and i gotta say it's nearing the holiday season why not get some stocking stuffers like some gift cards to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, $150 gift certificate. If you ever had a steak, ha- steak over there, it's one of the best damn restaurants in the state at Cypress Bayou. Miss Mabel's Kitchen, a $25 gift card. A $50 gift card to Half Shell Oyster House. All this and more is available right now in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom It's free to enter. It's simple to join up. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com. 1041 thegame.com. We'll come back, talk with our guy AJ Spur, get a scouting report on what the tide looked like heading into the big ball game with the Tigers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Tigers and the Astros.
0: Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These go to 11. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And it is, said earlier, the most important day in the sports world, especially here in the south with Georgia, Tennessee, Astros Game 6, and more importantly, LSU Alabama. You'll hear all the action right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles pregame at Four o'clock, kickoff at six when Chris Blair and the crew take over. But in the meantime and in between time, we need to get an idea of what's going on with the Crimson Tide. And to do that, we get our good friend aboard the program, AJ Spur, part of Roll Tide Wire, which is part of the USA Today network. AJ, how's it going?
3: C D always good to be back. We've got a great game ahead of us. And let me tell you, I'm a big fan of your uh picks to click so i may be tailing some of those so expect a text later on for me if i lose my money i might be uh hitting you up a little bit
1: i'm about to say it's always a good idea to fade me trust me (laughs) there's never there's never a better idea than just to say hey let's throw down on the opposite of what cd is putting down especially when it comes to this alabama lsu game and uh, first off the Crimson Tide don't look nearly as untouchable as they have in years past. What's been the biggest cause of that? Because, like, you look at the game against a and a few weeks ago, which I think is the more comparable game when we're talking about the LSU-Alabama game tonight. What's been the biggest cause of that?
3: You know, it's funny you mention that. A few weeks back, right after the Tennessee loss on Roll Tide Wire, we had a piece that detailed is Alabama really not as dominant as people are saying? Because it, it certainly doesn't appear as if they are this dominant team that they once were, you know, two, three years ago. Uh, but, but the average point differential uh, in wins that Alabama has has remained basically untouched. So if, if we're looking at box scores alone, uh, one might say that this is still the same dominant Nick Saban-led Alabama team. But when you actually see the product on the field – It's clear there's some sort of a tail-off from what we've seen in recent seasons with the Crimson Tide. And really, I think that's because of complacency. It's one of Nick Saban's biggest talking points, especially when speaking with the media. He hates rat poison. He hates his team thinking they have this in the bag. And when you have a team now with Alabama that's led by Bryce Young, Will Anderson— uh, it's funny to say that they don't have as much star power as they normally do, considering the two players I just mentioned are likely top three or top five picks in this upcoming 2023 NFL draft. But really, the remainder of the team outside of those two players, you, know, you have to ask yourself, are they up for the challenge of representing Alabama on a national level? Here we are now uh, heading toward the, the tail end of the 2022 regular season, and they're on the outside looking in. Uh, in the college football playoff rankings, They're number six, so they're not at number five. They're not inside the top four. They're at six. I think that there's been some sort of complacency, really. They're just content with how they've been playing, which is getting by. We saw the win over Texas on the road, which was not pretty. Texas A&M, though Bryce Young did not play, the rest of the team was still there. They did not look good. And finally, it all came down to Tennessee, which is Put Alabama in the position they are in now, and they just looked terrible on both sides of the ball. I say terrible as a three point loss that Tennessee won on a time expiring field goal. But I really do think it has to do with the fact that this team thinks, you know, we're wearing the script A on our uniforms, we're wearing the crimson red, you know, without having to put forth maximum effort. It should be a guaranteed win. And that's not the case. And Bryce Young just now on ESPN's College Game Day actually said, after that Tennessee loss, this team has honed in. It's more focused now than ever before this season. And probably going back to last season as well, there were a couple games in 2021 where the team did not look as dominant as they were in the past. So I really do think it has to do with complacency. uh, Expectations and standards maybe not set as high as they have been. But after that loss, we saw Alabama absolutely dominate Mississippi State, and I know they're they're going to try and bring that discipline that they saw in Mississippi State and uh, some of the consistency that they saw on both sides of the ball over into Death Valley as they take on LSU tonight.
1: Talk right now with A.J. Spur, part of Roll Tide Wire here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 104-1 Lake Charles. And, you know, one of the other big things that I'm just kind of taking away from this is obviously – former LSU Tiger, Tiger Eli Ricks expected to play in this ball game. And this is going to be a huge opportunity for him to kind of maybe get a measure of a revenge after being part of LSU jumping ship and going over to T-Town. What are your thoughts on him and how huge this game is for him and how much he plays into a key to win for the Tide?
3: You know, Eli Ricks has been one of the more interesting storylines to follow Uh, with this Alabama team in 2022, he left LSU and was actually on campus in Tuscaloosa with the Crimson Tide in early January. We're talking before the semifinal game in the college football playoff against Cincinnati, before the national championship game. Eli Ricks has basically been with this program since the ending of last season, and fans were very excited to see him produce and see what he can do. Analysts were expecting Eli Ricks to be an absolute difference maker on this team overall, not just on the defense or in the secondary, but really overall. I mean, he was dominant at LSU. People really wanted to see what he was able to do under, you know, the direction of Nick Saban. And we hadn't seen much of him Uh, throughout the course of this 2022 season. He had appeared in games, but last or two weeks ago against Mississippi State, Alabama's last game before the bye week. That was Eli Rick's first start while wearing a Crimson Tide uniform. No one was really all too sure what happened. There were some speculations that he wasn't performing well in practice. I mean, he was being benched and having underclassmen start over him. So a lot of people were very confused as to why that was the case. He came out last week, played his heart out. Will Rogers and Mike Leach in that air raid Mississippi State offense, they were scared to target him. And he, whenever they did, He played very well. So heading into LSU week now, it's going to be key for Eli Ricks to not just perform because he's back in Baton Rouge, but because he's still trying to prove himself as a wannabe leader and somebody that could be a leader on the defensive side of the ball for Alabama. Um, And and he's not just trying to prove himself to Nick Saban and the rest of his team, but to the fans as well that have now gone basically eight, nine weeks Expecting big things from him, but hearing just about nothing.
1: AJ, looking at the offensive side of the football, obviously, Bryce Young is definitely the big talking point. Hasn't necessarily been as elite as he was a year ago. In fact, in some cases, some of the draft analysts have dropped him down a little bit, comparatively speaking to some of the other teams. I mean, this guy was expected to win the Heisman yet again. In 2022, But you look at what he has right now, heading into the month of November, the resume doesn't stand out as much as it did a year ago.
3: Nope. I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. The resume doesn't look as good. And I talked earlier about when you look at the box score versus when you see, uh, you know, the actual product on the field, I was talking about the team as a well, whole, but if we were to take that same template of analysis and apply that here, to Bryce Young as an individual player, uh, if, if the Heisman Award is, is supposed to be the MVP, the most valuable player in college football, sure, the numbers may not add up to it. But if you've seen Alabama without Bryce Young this season, it's
2: a completely different team.
3: The life has been taken out. The offense is, is sluggish. Um, in the second half against Arkansas, when he injured his shoulder, Jalen Milro had to come in. And Jalen Milrow, a lot of people think is the future of this program, especially next season when Bryce Young you know, inevitably leaves for the NFL. So a lot of people have faith in Jalen Milrow, but they did not look good in that second half against Arkansas. I talked about the Texas A&M game. That really came down to the final play of the game. Alabama ended up winning, but the offense did not look good. So if we want to talk about value – and his value to the team, Bryce Young, far and away, in my book, is is number one. In draft rankings, sure, there's an argument to be made about C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young. There's a lot of size concerns about Young. As for talent, Bryce Young is up there with C.J. Stroud, competing for QB1 in my book. A lot of people now have Will Levis from Kentucky over Bryce Young. I don't necessarily see that at all, but also... We want to talk about drop-off from 2021 to 2022. Alabama lost Jamison Williams and John Mechie to the NFL. Two wide receiver ones on any team put up wide receiver ones while on the same team. This season, there was a lot of hope that Jermaine Burton, the UGA transfer, would perform well. Tyler Harrell, the speedy wide receiver out of Louisville, transferred into Alabama as well. He only has one reception on the entire season. And not a single Alabama wide receiver through nine weeks heading into week 10 has over 400 yards. Actually, I think it's 375 yards might be the the cap on that. So he's forced to spread the ball out. No wide receiver has truly emerged as the guy, the go-to guy for Bryce Young to target. Jameer Gibbs leads the team in receptions. I think he might also lead the team in yards. I'm not 100% sure on that, but a running back is Bryce Young's wide receiver one on this season. It's not a cop-out, it's not an excuse, but if we were to look at why there might be a drop-off in terms of talent and consistency and experience, I think we could probably point to that as to why his numbers don't appear as dominant as they did last season.
1: AJ, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road, and I got one more betting tip for you. Hurry up, throw down some money on Florida because apparently, according to Pete Thamel, there's a flu outbreak at A&M in the team and the campus. So there might be a chance where Florida – I saw they were dogs last night when I placed some money on them. I definitely would say hammer down on Florida.
3: I agree, but you can never rule out the impact Kyle Field has in the 12th man. So we'll have to wait and see. I'll make some calls and do a little bit of research on my own and I'll let you know what I end up doing.
1: That's what I'm talking about. AJ, appreciate you coming on, brother. Thank you for having me. All right, AJ Spur, roll tide wire. Always a good conversation with him about the Alabama Crimson Tide, especially on a big day such as this with the Tide and the Tigers squaring off. Before we take a quick out, let me tell you about something really cool that we have here at Delta Media, an immediate opening for a social media digital content manager. It's a fantastic opportunity to join our locally-owned company and contribute to high-performing radio and television properties. It also comes with a competitive salary and excellent health care benefits. So you can come join our team and have a great time inside of a tremendous company. I've been here for eight years. I can tell you, it is an amazing company. Find out more at Delta Corp, com. You can send your resume to shanae, S-H-A-N-A-E, at DeltaMediaCorp.com. Back after this right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, a 104.1 Lake Charles Talk with Ross Jackson
0: next.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Appreciate you joining the program as always. And always appreciate this man joining the program. And that is one Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast and also contributor for the Saints Wire part of the USA Today Network. Ross, how you doing, my brother?
2: Hey, buddy. Doing great. Doing great, man. Thanks as always for having me on. Hope you're doing well.
1: I'm doing pretty doggone well, man. It's especially after the Saints win last Sunday. Where the hell has that team been all year?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was a very, very different experience than what it's been like to watch Saints football so far uh, this season. And I think it was a a pleasant change, particularly for the fan base, of course. But to see the New Orleans Saints come out and play what felt like their most complete 60 minutes uh, of the season so far, or I don't even, even say what it felt like what clearly was right their most complete 60 minutes uh, of football. I you know I think that they're going to need some of that to go right for them again this week if they want to knock off a much better defense and a much better team in the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, but you know, look, that's the type of momentum shifting win that you needed, a statement win, and that's what the New Orleans Saints were able
1: to get. And it was amazing to see everything that was going on. You had the defense playing lights out, Andy Dalton, kind of proving to a certain extent Dennis Allen right. That offense mm-hmm. looked on point with him.
2: Yeah, yeah. he completed 73% of his passes, which is something we've seen Dalton do uh, in this offense before. But, you know, to go out and do that the game after sort of, uh, you know, DA goes out there and uh, effectively names him the starting quarterback moving forward. Um, and you know, Dennis's sort of challenge around all that was that as long as the offense is moving well, as long as they're putting points on the board, then Dalton will be out there and look at what they did. They moved the ball extremely well, very efficiently, and um, they you know continue to put points on the board. And so, this is a team right now. Over the course of the past four games, I believe they're number one in score in touchdowns uh, in the NFL. They're high up there in terms of the third down conversions or third down percentage as well. Chris Olave continues to play lights out. The guy's got 16 third-down receptions. 13 of them have gone for first downs, and then he has an additional one to where first down was forced uh, by penalty on a defensive pass interference penalty last week against Rocky Sin. So you're seeing all that. And then on the opposite side, I mean, I think that the, the, the thing that highlights to me the defense's performance last week is the fact that the Las Vegas Raiders didn't pass the 50-yard line until about two, just before the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. That's massively impressive. We see that in college football sometimes. You don't see that a lot in the NFL, but that's how good this New Orleans Saints defense was last week.
1: Yeah, we don't talk about uh, teams not passing the 50-yard line in the Superdome after uh, 2012, the Ross. Right,
2: right. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, so anyways, looking at this team, especially with the news earlier this week, Michael Thomas out for the rest of the year, presumably with that toe injury and subsequent surgery he's mm-hmm. gonna undergo. What do you think the future holds for him with this franchise? Does he stick around or do the Saints just kinda let this thing lapse out on its own or do they wind up trading him at one point in the off season?
2: Yeah, I I think June one, you know, becomes the the kind of next sort of pivotal date for the New Orleans Saints and um and Michael Thomas and you know, they can make a trade before them, but designate it as a trade that doesn't happen until June 1st. It doesn't become official until June 1st. There's a lot of things that they can do. The reason why June 1st becomes so important is because June 1st is sort of the threshold at which you can start to defer some of the dead money that's created um, in a move. And so you look at you know, if they were to trade him this offseason or if they would have traded him before the trade deadline, which a lot of people, you know, that was a name that was floating around for, you know, rumors and all those other things, nothing creditable, but like lots of rumors and all. Um, it, you know, that would be $26, $25 million of dead cap that you take on post June 1. You free up $16 million of salary head space and then take on only instead like an $11 million um, dead cap hit. So it's a little bit more manageable at that time. But I, I'm going to be honest, man. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints and Michael Thomas get just, just focus on getting ready for 2023 and trying to get him back out there healthy week one. Um, this is a different foot. This is a different injury than the one that you know caused so, much issue, so many issues for him 2020-2021. Um, it's a very different relationship between him and the team. Right now, as well. And, you know, we saw him go out there and play extremely well in those games that he was able to get out there um, this year. And so I don't blame the Saints for trying to save save his season before sending him off the surgery. I mean, at at any point, if they would have sent him off the surgery, it would have been the end of a season. So I don't blame them for trying to rehab first. And also, considering that, considering the fact that this team tried to, you know, get him back out on the field this year, I would be surprised if they just sort of. Look at some other way to kind of re you know to agree on a new contract or kind of renegotiate his contract. there's some some ways that they can do that, uh, which he'll have to sign off on, but they'll have to you know find a way to perhaps you know adjust some of his contract or numbers or language or whatever it might be, and then potentially you know try to get him back out on the field week one. I wouldn't be surprised to see the saints go that route
1: meanwhile hey, we talk about the wide receiver core obviously chris Olave's done really well in his in his rookie season but i think another guy we need to talk about we talked we talked about him a lot is the man himself the guy that literally before the game had two receptions and two touchdowns in rashid mm-hmm. shaheed he finally was able to get more than one reception it feels like finally i guess it's not not illegal anymore to throw to him more than once <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think they found some uh, other ways to work him into the playbook, and some of those things worked against that uh, Las Vegas Raiders defense, and so that's hopefully something that the Saints will be able to continue to capitalize on. And and I think you're going to see him continue to get more worked in. He's got some development to do in terms of his route tree and everything, which will certainly help uh, him get a little bit more involved in the offense, but as he continues to do that, then, you know, certain things like – you know the shots downfield are definitely going to be available to him. The the crossing patterns deep down the field are in the intermediate range, like we saw on the 30 yard catch that he had um, last week. Those will certainly be available to him. And then anytime that they can work him in space, you know whether that be the screen game or out in the flats or you know there's this little uh, route that they keep running with Chris Olave. It's a pre snap motion to where when Taysom Hill is on the field and in shotgun. They'll motion Chris Olave underneath Taysom Hill, between Taysom Hill and the center, and then he'll wrap around Taysom Hill and then, you know, sort of have this this sweep motion to, to the outside. And then that ends up drawing some of the attention of the second-level players, and then Taysom usually runs the opposite way. I wouldn't be surprised to see them run a similar concept with Rashid Shaheed, but end up actually throwing him the ball. Uh, and and trying to get him out in space with some lead blockers, so there will be some interesting ways that I think you'll continue to see Rashid Shahid continue, you know, get involved in the offense. And I also think that he's going to, you know, um, get more and more opportunities in special teams uh, as well, especially if the defense keeps playing as well as it did last week.
1: Was he the biggest key for the Saints on Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens, a team that uh, admittedly the Baltimore Ravens have had the Saints number ever in like throughout the Sean Payton era? And now it's the first game against the Ravens in the Dennis Allen era. What do you kind of see mm-hmm. things going here in Monday night's contest?
2: Yeah, I think the big thing has to be Dennis Allen's calling card, the Saints defense, um, and how they, they, it's so hard to say what you do to Lamar Jackson, right? Cause you don't really stop Lamar Jackson, but you limit Lamar Jackson, I guess. And so however it is, they find their way to limit him, whether that be with a, a mush or a sugar rush kind of situation to where you're maintaining lane and integrity over, you know, over pursuing the quarterback or trying to pursue the quarterback and get sacks. Um, you know, the athletic second level players, Pete Werner, DeMario Davis, they become really important in this to help cover up any mistakes as well. And then, you know, it will be interesting to see how they deploy the secondary. Do they go with more of a three safety look now that you have PJ Williams back? Who's a very, you know, who's a good tackler, especially in, in sort of the condensed area of the field those are, op- uh, are going to be options for New Orleans. So I think that that ends up becoming the key. And then sort of the secondary piece of that is not only limiting Lamar Jackson, because when you're talking about limiting Lamar Jackson as a runner, you're really talking about max 10 plays. So what you have to do is make sure he doesn't have a second outlet. So whether that's some part of the passing game that's working, some other piece of the run game that's working, guys like Justice Hill uh, and some of the others that are going to be utilized with Gus Edwards potentially you know, out, we'll see what happens. Uh, with him and like Mark Andrews and all of that, you can't give him a second outlet. And that's kind of what happened with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was able to run, but then he also had the second outlet because he was able to, you know, get to these guys that they were getting yards after catch, like uh, Rondale Moore, for instance. So that's got to be the other piece of it is, is limiting that second level opportunity or that second output opportunity for Lamar Jackson, but then finding a way to make sure that he's not the one that's impacting your game while you're putting points on the board on the offensive side.
1: All right, before I let you go, Ross, let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room, the video that got released from TMZ just a few hours ago of, of uh, Alvin Kamara, the footage at the Vegas Hotel from Pro Bowl weekend. How much does that kind of affect him and what his status could be as the season progresses? Because right now, you've obviously got the trial coming up on the 9th, and based off of the fact you've got the video evidence now, it's looking pretty damning. And there's a good chance where I think he could be on the outs towards the end of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean we'll have to see. I mean, I don't I don't know the correlation between when TMZ got the video versus when the courts have the video, right? So, I assume the courts had the video well before TMZ ever had the video. And so I think more than anything else it just it, it, it's a video that's now re-entered the public eye at this point or a new video that has re-entered that has entered the public eye. So, that's really kind of the only thing that's really happened here from my perspective. And so we'll see. I mean, you know, the, he's got the criminal court date again on on the ninth. It's been continued several times. We'll see if it gets continued again. Uh, if it does, then you know, you can't, you don't really assume that anything is going to happen uh, this season at that point. If something, you know, if the if that court if that case does actually um, happen or that that visit actually does happen on the 9th, then you could expect that the NFL would probably take. You know, a little bit of time to react, and then very likely Alvin Mera would appeal while the court, while the case is being appealed. He can still play. So he could still also end up pushing this toward the end of the season as well. So it, you know, we'll have to see exactly how this plays out on the ninth. That ends up being the key, the key date. And then, of course, there's a civil case that's here in New Orleans. Uh, that was or here in the state of Louisiana that was also filed so that comes a little bit later but I think the ninth we just kind of have to see how it happens but I'm not sure how much the TMZ sort of revealing of the video does anything but stir more public interest Um, I, I would imagine that this stuff has been available to the courts for quite a while now
1: I can about imagine the same as well Ross thank you so much for coming on my man we'll talk to you down the road enjoy the rest of your weekend and more importantly Monday Night Football
2: yeah, buddy, absolutely. Right back at you. Take care, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, that was Ross Jackson. Appreciate him coming on the program. We're going to be off next week, so we'll give him a, a bye week, if you will, as well. Before we take a quick timeout, we're talking about the Saints-Ravens ball game. Guess what? You can watch it with our partners, Miguez and Mesh. They'll be broadcasting live from Twin Peaks on Johnston from 4 until 6 p.m. So make sure you hang out with the fellows. Enjoy the ice cold teeth chattering 29 degree brewskis and tasty burgers this monday night as the saints take on the ravens twin peaks eats drinks scenic views i'm getting hungry my stomach was rumbling during that interview so trust me either i gotta go or i gotta eat a little bit after this show wraps up we'll take a quick time out one final take and then we get on out of here into your sports weekend right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers.
0: This is LSU star Jack Besh, and you're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. up shop here on under the dome cd has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic is it going to be a take that lands on the scoville scale ah! or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge let's listen in and find out
1: Welcome back to under the dome with cd one final take before we get on out of here and I'm going to go back to LSU and I'll say this. I understand the perspective that if LSU doesn't beat Alabama for the most part, it means it's an unsuccessful season because you don't get to the SEC championship game. You don't get a chance to play in the playoff, all this stuff. I get it. But I think at the end of the day, with everything that's happened with this program over the last couple of years, and you are potentially, let's just say it nine and three, I feel like is definitely within the realm of possibility. Even if you win this game and you wind up ten and two, and the season's over, you lose. You wind up losing in the SEC title game. I think even then, I think there's a net positive to be taken away in all of this, and it's the fact that Brian Kelly was the right hire. I know it's only one year in, but based off of what I'm seeing there and what I'm seeing from the from what they're doing on the recruiting trail, it was the right decision. And I know I was a guy that was definitely, you know hammering for Billy Napier. I still think Billy Napier would have done a great job as well, but it's proving that within one year that hire is already paying off. It's paying off very big time. So i always admit when I'm wrong, but I'm also very, very intrigued to see how it all kind of comes together over the next few years. And if LSU can, get back to national contention on a very, very consistent basis. But that's about all I got for you on this Saturday morning under the Dome with CD. Appreciate you for listening in. Also appreciate the guests for coming aboard. We had three of them. It's rare. I usually get three, especially during football season, but it was a massive weekend in sports, or is, I should say, with the Tide and the Tigers Troy Cajuns, Saints Ravens on Monday Night Football, and also Astros Game 6. So I needed to get on a lot of guys. Hunter Bauer, appreciate him coming aboard to talk about what happened in Week 10 of high school football. Definitely was a fun ball game, fun weekend. Then you have A.J. Spurt, had him on in hour number two. Talk to him about what's going on with the Tide and why they don't necessarily feel as Teflon Don as they have in the past and how that might actually give you a reason to root for the Tigers to get the win tonight and how much in terms of your betting dollars should be put in that as well. Then we also had Ron Ross Jackson. Appreciate him breaking down the situation with Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and more importantly, the team heading into a massive ball game against the Baltimore Ravens. We'll be back not next week, but the week after. So, for our guy, D Witt, on the ones and twos and threes and fours, I'm CD, and this has been Under the Dome on the Game 103.7 7 Laugh. Yet a 104 1 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers, and wait for it, the Houston Astros.